This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, howdy, Bridgeway. It's great to see you here today. I want to welcome those of you who are here, as well as those of you who are joining us at Church Online. And if you are new or visiting with us, you're actually coming to the very end of a conversation that we've been having for the last several weeks. We've been talking as a church about our vision and uh, how we believe that God has given Bridgeway a particular fingerprint that God wants us to leave here on our community. And really, for the next not just year, but for the next 10 years, what we're going to be focused on. Uh, Each week, we've been rolling out one of our core initiatives. We have five core initiatives. Each week, we've been kind of rolling those out to you, kind of giving you an introduction to them. We've looked at things like how to care for the most important part of you, your, your soul, and how to become a lifelong learner, and that's really our area of discipleship. How to be focused as a family, and that's another initiative of ours. And then last week, a couple weeks ago, we looked at serving. And so we're just excited to continue to, to challenge and to press into what God has in store for our community. But this last core initiative, this is the one I've been kind of looking forward to the most. Because when I look at where God is leading us uh, as a community... I think that this initiative is by far most needed in our day today. In fact, I probably don't need to remind you of this. We live in a world that is increasingly on edge, right? I mean, people are more anxious than they've ever been. People are dealing with mental struggles and depression. Uh, We're in the middle of a a war. You hardly hear anything about on the news anymore. But a, a war, we have a financial crisis, kind of an impending doom financially, so to speak. And it's caused great alarm in our community. And it's also caused people to be, well, very difficult at times. Uh, One scholar said that we live in a day and age where it is the most opinionated that it's ever been on planet Earth. Have you experienced this? Have you experienced people's opinions that just kind of come at you and there's absolutely no filter? And because of that, uh, today we are very divided. We are divided across every line imaginable. And the church really stands kind of in the gap to to be an example of something different. And that's where this core initiative comes into play. And so each week I've been joined by one of our elders uh, to kind of launch the core initiative. Today, this last message, I'm joined by by my good friend and our treasurer, Jose Rubio. So if Jose Rubio could come out, if you could put your hands together and welcome our elder, Jose. Great to see you. Thanks. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. Uh, So it's so good to be up here, and um, it's such an honor and a privilege to to talk about this last initiative. You know, I thought about maybe putting up a spreadsheet so I could share with you how how that works and uh, um, being the treasurer here. But now, just joking aside, I I think this last initiative here, this one we're going to talk about today, is so important because when you read that, Life Together, it says we will cultivate an active, God-centered community that experiences life together. And if you think about that, God-centered, God's plan, his purpose in us, so perfect. I mean, uh, you know, he created us in his image, right? And what does God desire? A relationship with each other, with us, and with each other. And that's his plan. That's his, it's a beautiful plan. And um, we're called his children. And we are an ambassadors of his kingdom. So we have a purpose. So... What a better way to show this, share this with you is i got to share a story with you. So when we moved out here to Rockford, 
Uh, we, we came to Bridgeway in 2002-2003 and we were looking for a church. My wife grew up in a, a Christian home, uh, bless her heart, and uh, it was great. But I was not that connected to Jesus. I didn't know who Jesus really was. I, I just knew of him. And um, what happened is when she got us involved in church, she got connected and serving. And, of course, she kept saying, oh, you got to get involved. She kept nagging. And, I, <laughs> and so for me, it was, it was hard because I just didn't know who Jesus was. And I thought it would be, go, be good to go to church for the kids so they would know of Jesus. Um, I got involved in this thing called Set Up and Tear Down. And I'm looking out here. I see some, some of you who were involved in Set Up and Tear Down. And we had this, these pods, and we would put all our stuff into this pod and transport it on a, on a truck and that's how we did our church at East Rockford Middle School. So I kept doing that. And I did that in teardown, thinking that if I moved the stuff away, uh, my wife would leave me alone. I'd be involved, and that's good enough for me. That's church, right? That was my version of church, hearing a good sermon, um, some cool music, going home. Well, the truth is, God has a plan for each one of us. And he kept nudging at my heart. He kept nudging and saying, there's more here. And I kept asking questions. And before I knew it, I got to know these guys. And I got to know who Jesus was little by little in my walk. And I got, I got a ways to go, you guys. But the point is, I got connected. And there's so many ways to get connected at Bridgeway. See, a church is not the building. It's us. It's Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And how we can live together in a community. Because we were not made to live alone. We were made to live with Jesus and with each other. To support each other. So I encourage you. Get involved. There's going to be many events held throughout the year. There's a lot of cool stuff. And you know for me I got involved into a small group. And that's a great way to connect with guys. And they helped me and encouraged me along my walk. And I in return have try to help others the best I can. Uh, one point I got, in, got involved, went to a mission trip in Guatemala. That was crazy, that was so scary at first. But, um, and I'm not saying, look, that you have to go to an unremission trip or uh, you have to join a small group, but just get connected. There's so many cool events coming up. There's um, the 30 after coming up, I think that's June 26, and that's cornhole and hot dogs. Just get to know each other, right? So I encourage you, get involved. And the one other thing I wanted to mention is Jesus, the cross. And you look at that symbol, and I look at the cross, and I'm so grateful for what he did for me, for my sins, my past sins, my future sins. And you think about the hope and love of Jesus. And I think of the cross, and I think vertically, I think about how, um, how much God loves me, and I worship him, and I submit myself to him. But then I think about the horizontal part of the cross, east to west. And I think of us. And it's us living together in harmony with each other, supporting each other. So thank you, Bridgeway. Jose, thank you, brother. Uh, you're awesome. Well said. You know, when I think of this, uh, this idea of life together, I think of Jose. He's been involved in so many areas, and everywhere he goes, including the elder team, he's always just bringing this sense of belonging, the sense 
of community. And I just want to, again, as I've done each week, just try to lay a little bit of a foundation of what we really desire and aspire to here at Bridgeway. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 13. Just want to look at a few verses, very challenging verses this morning about how to live this, as Jose called it, this vertical relationship with God and this horizontal relationship with other. Maybe another way to think about life together is just simply believing, as we do here at Bridgeway, that life together is better than being alone. We honestly, truly believe that. Life together is so much better than being alone. In fact, um, I see this in other people. I see this in some of my extended family because I think for many, being alone is a choice. Uh, Choosing isolation is the way that many people take. In fact, I think COVID and now post-COVID, I'm seeing that more and more. And I just want to ring the bell and sound the alarm that isolation, choosing to be alone, is incredibly dangerous. I was reviewing some of the, just the, the known facts about being alone. Just three things. Number one, it increases your blood pressure. It also increases your cholesterol and puts you at a risk of heart disease. Those are three things this guy is trying to avoid. In fact, not only that, but people think, well, if I go off and I be alone, I'll be more relaxed. Not true at all. In fact, going off being alone actually puts your system in a constant uh, state of stress. Does anybody know me? Am I going to be cared for? All that kind of working behind the system uh, increases your risk of death. Choosing to be alone increases your risk of death by 14%. There was a a famous book done by a guy named uh, Robert Putnam, and uh, it's called Bowling Alone. He did these studies, and he found like longevity has to do with how connected you are to other people. He said, in fact, uh, being alone is more dangerous than if you chose to smoke 15 cigarettes a day. That's literally more dangerous to your health. And it does not depend on how many friends you think you have. In fact, um, he found in his study that you needed real-life interactions with other people. And again, this is a problem not just for us. It's a problem for everyone in the world. In fact, uh, if you read through um, some of the stuff going on in Japan right now, they have a huge concern among deaths of elderly people. And not due to COVID in Japan, but actually due to loneliness. No one being there for them. In fact, there was one story that really put Japan on the map when uh, a man, 70 years old, died, and nobody knew about it for three years. Nobody knew. Not his neighbor, not his family. In fact, it wasn't until his rent was being auto-deducted from his checking account, it wasn't until his bank reached out to the people on his account to say that his bank had been, his account had been overdrawn. Can you imagine that? Three years. In fact, in the UK, they've taken such a, a strong stance against loneliness because of the mental health issues it's caused that in the UK, they actually have a, a new prime minister. They have a prime minister of loneliness. And in the UK, you can actually text a number and someone from the parliament will give you a call and check in on you. I don't know if I want the government getting involved in my, my social life, but that's kind of, again, that just shows you how severe the problem is. And now when you think of the church, I bet it's never dawned on you that the church for 2,000 years has been the worldwide solution to the loneliness problem. That actually these words we're going to look at today have been Jesus' desire of how we would be as a community in kind of a countercultural way to solve this loneliness problem. See, I think the problem is we, we hear the word church and we think that that's a, oh, well, that's a place I go to. Or that's a service I attend. 
And that was never the intention of Jesus, that you would just go somewhere and take up space for 60 minutes. And in fact, you can do that in the church. You can come and go and be just as isolated before. And that's why we believe so strongly in this idea of life together, cultivating life together. Jesus is going to give these words of what he pictures and what he's projecting the church to be at, at a very tender moment in his life. In fact, Jesus is just about to be arrested and unfairly tried and spit on and beaten, and they're going to crucify Jesus. And it's in that scene, preparing for that moment, that Jesus tries to teach this little group of his followers about what the church should actually be like, what it should look like in the world around us. I want to read these words from John chapter 13, just two verses, starting in verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, these are very easy words to read. These are very easy words to understand. But these are very challenging words to live out. So let's just start at the beginning. Let me start here with this phrase, new command. Uh, this kind of immediately sets a lot of people sort of uh, on the edge of their seat. Because the idea of command, command language, well, let's just be honest. We don't like that very much, right? I mean, we don't like being told what to do. We don't like policies and procedures. We're, I mean, come on, we're Americans, right? Like, I want my autonomy. I want my freedom. Don't tell me what to do. And we can carry this into our relationship with God. We can see these words, new command, and we can think, well, okay, that's what it's going to be then. If I'm going to follow Jesus, then, well, I'm going to have some long list of commands i got to follow. And if I don't, I'm going to get slapped on the wrist. And, and it's going to be no fun and all drudgery. And this is where I think we really misunderstand these words of Jesus. See, Jesus never gave this command. Like, he never gave a command, go to church. In fact, Jesus oftentimes would just give a very simple invitation. And the invitation of Jesus is always to come and follow me. And Jesus says when you do that, when you come and follow him, then, then you begin to experience this, this opportunity for life together. In fact, Jesus would say that this, believe it or not, this opportunity of life together is, is like a family. And you get to choose this life together family in the church. Now, it's kind of crazy when you think about family, you've got your church family, and you've got your biological family. And the crazy thing is, is you didn't get to pick your biological family, right? I mean, you didn't get to pick your mom, or your dad, or your aunt, or your crazy uncle and his political views, right? You didn't get to pick that, but in many ways, you get to pick your church family. You become a part of a community of faith, and, and you get to choose the people you get to be around. And and I won't ask for a show of hands, but I would imagine in your biological family, there's been, there's been times when you've been disappointed with your biological family. And we have this other way where in the church, it doesn't mean that we won't disappoint each other. It doesn't mean that I certainly get to know me well enough. I'm sure I'll disappoint you. But even in the church, even with our disappointments and our frustrations, there's this higher way, there's this better way of life together that covers over all these, even these disappointments. And so this language of a new command, even those words are kind of confusing. In fact, if you look at the original language, it's really strange to me why they chose to interpret it this way. In fact, the words in Greek are Canaan in Tolan, new command, Canaan in Tolan. And the word Canaan is kind of this word that means unseen or secret. And the word in Tolan would mean mission. 
So there's like this unseen mission. There's this secret task. This is what Jesus is launching. He says to his disciples, hey, I want to put you on a secret mission, on a kind of an unseen task. And this shouldn't surprise us, right? There's lots of organizations that have kind of an unseen mission. Maybe you work for a company like this, right? Like, I'll give a couple examples. You go into the cell phone store, and you just want to get out of there with one thing, a new cell phone, right? And what's the unseen mission at the cell phone store? Upsell you, right? Like, it's not enough to walk out with the phone. You got to get the case. You got to get the charger for your home. You got to get the battery pack. You get the charger for your car, right? Like, there's an unseen sort of mission. Let's take another example, maybe a little bit more wholesome. How many of you, uh, how many of you love Chick-fil-A, right? I got to remind you, it's Sunday. They're not open, right? Like, we always go on. It's on Sunday. Why do we go to Chick-fil-A? They're closed on Sunday, right? But you know, Chick-fil-A, they've got an unseen mission as well. They want to make sure that you experience the best service ever, right? And what's their unseen task, right? That they want to leave you with these words that they've really enjoyed serving you today, right? They have to say these words, my pleasure. And you can kind of catch them in that. My kids will catch them on it. We're on the road traveling like, she didn't say it. She didn't say my pleasure, right? You can kind of catch them in that. And that's the way the church should be as well. That the people outside the church should actually be able to look in and say, hey, how's the church doing at their new command, their secret mission? And, And what is it? Well, it's very simply, Jesus says it over and over again, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Then the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. See, the secret mission, the new command is is really this ethic of of love. In fact, I I really enjoyed what uh, Pastor Mike did last week with his message. If you weren't here, you got to go back and listen to it. Mike uh, took the most beautiful prayer in Scripture from Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, And it's these words from Paul where he says, you must be rooted and established in the love of Christ. I I love that imagery, and Mike did such a good job of of illustrating and using this picture of just what roots could look like. And Mike gave this really great challenge. I've been thinking about all week how we're to be hard to uproot, right? Be difficult to uproot. That your relationship with God should go so deep that nothing could uproot you. And I got thinking about roots, and I don't know, just my mind went to uh, the few times I've been able to, to visit the, the redwood forest. I've had two opportunities to see these massive sequoias, just these 275-foot trees. I mean, they just go up and up and up. And you know, the crazy thing about being in a redwood forest is I don't think I ever saw a tree down. Strangest thing, right? You're on the Pacific coast, and you would think, wow, trees get knocked down, big trees get knocked down all the time. And... The truth is, actually, redwoods don't have very deep roots. Um, in fact, some of these, these trees are so massive, I was actually standing inside of the base of these two trees, but it looks just like that. The trees actually intertwine their roots together. And so they're difficult to uproot because they're so interconnected and intertwined. I think we can be difficult to uproot when we are so intertwined and connected in the right ways with the people around us, with people of our church, that we're, we're so difficult, that we're strong. We've got this, as Jose said, this vertical relationship with God. And we've got this really web of intricate roots established with one another. This is the way we're called to live. And we're called to live with love and love directed in a specific way. In fact, he said it three times as well. Go back to 
John 13. He said this new command is about love, and it's love directed towards one another. And he says it three times in this little verse. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. In fact, that phrase, one another, gets repeated about 66 times throughout Scripture. That this is the way the church actually looks different by the way we treat one another. And all throughout Scripture, there's all these examples of one anothering, how we're to forgive one another and love one another and encourage one another. And this is what makes the church look so different from the world. In fact, I would just encourage you for a moment to think about maybe your, your place of employment. Or if you're a student, think about your school for a minute. How well do we do one anothering in our other places, in our places of work, in our places of school, even in our neighborhood, right? I mean, I, I thought about how I've had the, the privilege to work for three Fortune 500 companies. And they were really good companies, and they treated me really well. In fact, I, I, I was very sad to leave my last uh, job. And it was a great company to work for. But, but they didn't really one another very well. In fact, in the business world, it was much more of a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of arrangement, right? Like, produce or move on. And the church should be such a different experience for how we live and act, even our social settings. I was thinking about how we try to create community everywhere we go, and it's only in the church where we have this opportunity to truly one another. I was thinking about another place. In fact, it reminded me of an old TV show. I'll kind of date myself. Uh, you remember a really old TV show about a bar based in Boston where everybody knows your name, right? Cheers, right? And the one guy sits at the end of the bar, and it's just this picture of, of the best that community can be in the world, right? I mean, everybody knows his name. Norm, right? Everyone knows his name. And yet, probably in a real community, like in a healthy community, someone would have said to Norm, like, hey, buddy, it's probably time to, you know, pull your head up off the bar and, you know, maybe kind of uh, get a healthier lifestyle because you're spending a lot of time here drinking with us, right? I mean, there was no challenge to that ever in the episodes, and we have this other way of living, this way that the church looks different, where we one another. In fact, I don't want to go through all 66 one another statements, but I do want to put a few of them on the screen here for you this morning and just get you to think about your life and how you're doing at one anothering with the people around you. I love this verse from Hebrews chapter 10. It's actually a twofer. The writer Paul here says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. This verse gives kind of this really interesting balance between spurring one another. Spur here is this idea of uh, provoking another person, kind of like you maybe have to, like, you know, put a spur into a horse, kind of the horse moving that you have to provoke the people around you in love, towards love and good deeds, while at the same time having this balance of encouraging one another. So there's always this balance of challenge your, your fellow believers and then comfort them as well, encourage them as well. And I love this whole idea. is kind of wrapped up around this, this sentence, not giving up meeting together. You know, aren't you glad to see that even 2,000 years ago, they struggled with people just getting out of the habit of being part of community, people getting out of the habit of meeting together in a place like the church or in a small group together. And here again is the solution. 
Some people, you may need to provoke them a little bit. You may need to kind of even put a little spur into them and, and get them to, to act on their love and good deeds. And other people, you just need to encourage them. Just, well done. Keep doing well in your faith. You got this. Encouraging, spurring on. Next verse, Ephesians chapter 4. I love these words from Paul. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Man, how countercultural is this? We live in a day and age where if someone just kind of annoys you, you just, you write them off. You're just done with them. You don't have to bear with anyone. You certainly today don't have to be patient with anyone. Just tell them how you really feel. And there's no consequences to that other than all the pain that you put on that person. And yet we're called as the church to be very different, to bear with one another. This idea of bearing with is this, this idea of actually suffering in life with. The word is actually long-suffering. So we make friends, we make connections in the community of faith, and we, we go through life together. And, and there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be easy, great times. And there's going to be times of, of long-suffering with the people around you. That's how we're called to be different. And then finally, the last verse from Romans chapter 16. Paul concludes this whole letter and he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. This is how singles ministries get started in the church, right? Like all the singles, it's a holy kiss moment. No, no, no. We can also just greet one another with, you know, like a handshake or a pat on the back. And, and it's just this idea of being, being friendly, being open to the people around you. Um, I've kind of made this as my, my project in my neighborhood. I probably don't know all my neighbors as well as I should, but I, I'm like the friendly neighbor. I'm like waving at everybody as I'm driving in, kind of like the mayor of the neighborhood, right? Like I'm always waving, always saying hi. We walk our dog, always trying to just engage in community. And it's, it's honestly kind of surprising to me how some people, they'll, they'll just at the moment when you're about to kind of wave, they'll, they'll turn away. They'll all of a sudden get really busy in their gardening or in their flowering or, or whatever they're doing. And it, it just, to me, it's this invitation, this opportunity to live different in the world, to have this, this ability to say, you know what, I'm going to be open, I'm going to be friendly to the people, especially here when we come to this place of the church. I could go on and on again. There's 66 of these. We're told to reconcile our differences with one another. We're called to forgive each other. We're called to be sympathetic towards one another, to be compassionate towards one another. This is how the church is different. And this is why we simply believe that life together is better than being alone. Um, in a few moments, we're going to experience communion together. And in this series, I've been looking forward to this because communion is really this celebration of what Jesus has done on the cross for every one of us. And this was never intended that you would celebrate communion alone, that we would do this together as a family. And that's why we, we spend time creating space in our worship uh, for just this. And if this is your first time at Bridgeway, if this is your first time experiencing communion, then I just want to let you know you don't have to be a member of our church, uh, but you do have to be a member of God's family. You have to receive Jesus in your heart, and in that, you've chosen his way and his family of believers called the church. And if that's you, then you're welcome to the tables. There are two in the front, and there are two in the back of the room. And you can go to the table when uh, Charles and the team are going to begin playing, and we're still using the prepackaged elements. Uh, but in there, you'll find the... Uh, the piece of bread, which symbolizes the body of Jesus, and the juice, which symbolizes his blood that's been, body is broken, and his blood has been poured out in the forgiveness of all your sins. And today, we're told in the scriptures as well that before we partake of this communion, that we're to examine ourselves. And I want to challenge you this morning to examine yourself in light of your connectedness to others, to examine yourself in kind of this way of one anothering with the people in your church family. And to do that, I want to give you just a few questions. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up now 
and Charles is going to begin to play. And as they begin to play, I want you just to think about these questions and then spend some time praying about this before you come to the tables. And then you're welcome to join in and sing with us as well. First question to think about this morning is, when something goes wrong, do you have at least one person to talk with? And I want to go a step beyond this one because I think the simple answer, especially if you're married, is, is well, I have my spouse. Well, what if something goes wrong with you and your spouse? So I want you to think of at least one person, one other person, that when something goes wrong, that you can talk with them. Next question is maybe a little bit deeper in vulnerability. Is there someone who could accurately name your greatest fear? That they know how you tick. They know what you worry about. Maybe even a little bit deeper, can you name someone that would actually know your greatest temptation? They know your struggles, and they know where you fail. Last thought, last question would be, can you look past an offense and love the person anyways? Maybe this week you had someone that offended you. They did something maliciously to you. And this morning, before you come to the tables, I'm asking you to inspect your heart and say, can I forgive that person anyways and still love them despite what they've done? This is the goal, and this is why the church is so special and so unique. I want to pray for you, so if you would simply just bow your heads. And if you would pray with me, please. God, I, I pause in this moment and I thank you for the cross. I thank you for the way in which you've designed us for one another and for community and life together. But God, it's through this cross and through this cross alone that we are first reconciled to our relationship to our Heavenly Father that it's through a relationship with him that we can live out the ways in which you call us to be united, to be forgiven, to pray for and to care for the people around us. God, I just pray that today that we would leave here as changed in different people because of what you've done in our hearts today. And I pray, God, that every person within the sound of my voice would know today that no matter what they've done, no matter where they've been, that your grace is enough that simply being here today, God wants you to know that you are loved and cherished, that you are the apple of his eye, that he calls you into this depth of relationship with him and with the people around you. God, help us to one another well. Our world so desperately needs to see that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.